0: Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now, the host of the Nothing is
1: Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn.
2: Hello, welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host, and joining me, our co-host, Mel. Mel, I want to talk a little bit about parenting before we go into this interview with... (laughs) Colleen, because <laughs> we're this is smack dab right where we are in life, where we're kind of navigating the typical struggles that you have as parent parents, and you're trying to figure out how do you how do I raise my kids to become great adults who love Jesus, who contribute to society, who love people, mm-hmm. who are you know, and um, in this interview today we talk with Colleen about some parenting struggles that she has. Now, I don't want mm-hmm. I want to make sure the listener hears me say I'm not in any way trying to compare. Parenting struggles. I think it's really, uh, I think it's futile for any of us to compare. Hey, this, you know, it's harder for me as a parent than it is for you. She's exactly. got some really heavy parenting struggles because we're talking about parenting. You know, she she, she is parenting a, a child with with a disability, and mm-hmm. um, and that that is that has a whole nother, you know just realm of uh, walking through and struggles that that invokes. And, and so she talks a bit about this, but. I, I want to talk specifically about some things that you and Charlie are doing in terms of shepherding the hearts of your kids um, because I think the, the goal for parenting, no matter what, no matter what your kids are like, is not to try to uh, modify behavior or correct behavior, but right. it's to shepherd the heart. And um, yeah, so what, what are some things you guys are facing right now?
1: So uh, I would say, you know, I homeschool. One of my... Uh, Favorite authors is Charlotte Mason. Yeah. Super, super old lady. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, It is your civic responsibility to raise decent human beings. And mm. so she said, My greatest contribution will be raising up these kids who can go and love and serve um, wherever God puts them. And so she would say that the first six or seven years of a child's life to focus on character and skills and not academics. And wow. so that is uh primarily where we focus is uh we are constantly talking about probably thoughts and character attributes that are way over their head but making them mindful of them right now and That's so good. um for one of my daughters it is being thorough and so mm. she will do it but she won't usually do it all the way or yep. uh and so we uh have i'm having her memorize the definition of um thoroughness, uh, versus Mm. incompleteness. And so, um, and I, I never say like, what's the definition of thoroughness, but like, I'll just say, Hey, remind me what's that definition. And do you feel like when you clean the playroom, does it look like that? And so we'll kind of go down that route. And then one of my daughters, it's self-control. And so I probably don't need to speak anything because everybody knows a three-year-old, you know, Charlie's like really self-control with a three-year-old. Um, and even mom, I memorize one for myself because I'm never done. And so we focus on a character attribute for six months. Mm. And then we really try to hone in and master it before we move on to the next one.
2: That's awesome. That, that and, and what m- the listeners don't know is that you're also like the head of your um, homeschooling, Cohort that you <laughs> yeah. guys have, so you're I'm a continually. Director, I know, but behind
1: my family's backs, I call them. I call myself the headmistress. <laughs> <laughs> like Harry Potter, <laughs> oh,
2: the headmistress. That's amazing. We're in the same place with um, trying to shepherd some of these early things with Weston and Natalia, and get out in front of some of that. So we, we talk about character stuff. We talk to them about obedience, and obedience being three things: we obey immediately, we obey completely, which is a lot like the thoroughness that you're talking about. So we obey completely and then we obey cheerfully because Mm -hmm. we'll find that they'll obey, but they'll be one of, you know, the adverse of those things. So maybe for Natalia especially, she doesn't want to obey immediately. She wants to do something that she wants to do first. Before she obeys, you know and and so it 's not really obedience this it 's this delayed obedience, and so we 're trying to shepherd her heart that when Jesus asks us to do something, he wants us to do it immediately, even if we don 't understand why he 's asking us to do this that we 'll see in the outcome we 'll see why we 'll understand, but we can trust him mm-hmm. that he 's going to ask us to do things that are right and good and true,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and then then when you have completely we have some, you know, issues with the same thing that you do. It's like they'll obey, but it's not all the way. And then you've got, you know, begrudging obedience instead Mm. of this cheerful obedience that says, hey, a cheerful obedience says, you know what? I don't agree with that, but I trust that mom and dad are doing this for my own good. And so I'm going to walk in it cheerfully with a good attitude and and hopefully see it afterwards that this was the best thing for me. And so we're kind of shepherding those same exact things that you're talking about. It's really cool.
1: I love it, Davey. I love it. Well, I, I I'll say one last thing. I, because I think it's important for our listeners to know, but I am always trying to grow in grace for myself and grace, understanding grace for my children. And I would say it's, been a slow process and I can be very weak minded in grace sometimes. And so one of the biggest things I try to do is really lavish grace upon my children and help them have a good foundation of what that is. Cause I think that that really, if I could do anything for my kids, I want to love them and I want them to know the grace of God.
3: Yeah.
2: We have so much we could talk about when it comes to parenting, (laughs) but there's just so much. I think Shepherding a Child's Heart is a great book that if you want to go and immediately mm. get a resource, especially from a younger age, it's a great resource to, to reference. So um, also while you're referencing different resources, while you're going to Amazon and picking up maybe that book, stop com slash stories and read some of the stories that we're putting up on this platform and go ahead and share your story with us. We would love to share this with other people as well. I think it's so powerful when you share your story of struggle, of hardship, and how God has brought you through that. So com slash stories.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. And I know Davey mentioned lots of things to do, but rate and review us, mention us on Instagram at ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanna hear um, just what's been sticking out to you, what God's teaching you through this podcast. Um, if you're listening to it, feel free to screenshot it, tag us, let us know what you're listening to. So um, without further ado, let's listen to our uh, conversation with Colleen.
2: Colleen, so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'm
0: honored to be here.
2: Well, we have been in an interaction with each other for Um, several months. It's been a lot of fun. I remember the first phone call that you and I had. I felt like, I was like, man, we could sit here and talk for hours about life and (laughs) adversity (laughs) and hardship and uh, fun and all of the things in between. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. Colleen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself in the present right now? What's your life like? What do you do? Um, Just give us a little bit of update as as to who you are for those of us, the listeners who don't know you.
0: Okay. So I work at Insight for Living. I am the, um, I don't know, I got a new title, but I don't even remember what it is. But I direct. <laughs> yeah, you said
2: you just recently got a promotion ministry. or something, right? Is that what it is?
0: I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, I don't even know what my title is. I'm just thankful so to have an office somewhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but I, I am the um, director of a ministry department called Reframing Ministries. Okay. And it's very similar to what you do yeah. in helping people understand or helping walking with them through their pain mm. um, which includes helping providing hope healing a lot of humor because when we're in pain <laughs> yeah. we need some laughter that's right um, and helping them remember that God is in charge mm. of where they are even though it feels like they're totally lost mm. um, I caught I got here in 2007. Um on a totally different note. We can touch on that later. Yeah. But currently directing that and then also have my husband um, and blended family, five kids. Man.
1: That blended families. are all in their
0: twenties <laughs> from twenty-two to twenty-nine. Uh, that makes me God. sound so old. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you never know. I had my first when I was twelve. There
2: it is. <laughs> Well, that's the thing about blended families is you never know, you know, it's like, we're a blended family and I've got a 30 year old for a kid that just happens to, you know, no big deal.
0: Exactly.
2: No idea. (laughs) So I have
0: a daughter that's married and my stepson is, um, in a tough place right now. Mm. He just moved back in with us. Then my stepdaughter was born with half a heart. She lives in Houston, Texas, and we can unpack that at some point if you want to. Um, Unbelievable story there. Wow. And then my son Austin works here at Insight for Living as well. And then Jonathan is my son with disabilities.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the so thing. So every day's different. I, I know. Every and that's the thing about you. When we got kind of in touch with you and began having some interactions, I just learned so many different facets of your story. And Colleen, there's nobody better to be doing what you're doing and helping people navigate all the different ins and outs of their trials. Um, because you have experienced so many different types of, and I think that's what I'm surprised at in a lot of ways. Like, man, there's so many different types of difficult circumstances that you have navigated, and um, and yet here you are. You're not just standing, but you are continuing to stand, as Scripture says, right? When you've exhausted all efforts, stand, and you're helping other people even in that. And so, why don't we? Why don't we kind of take a a, a dive back into your past and let's talk a little bit about your story and maybe uncover some of these different facets of your story. I know that y- you you grew up in a a uh, pastor's home, is that correct? I did. Yes. And so talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and then kind of take me along the journey of what it was like to be uh in the Swindoll household.
0: All right. Um the thing yes, Chuck and Cynthia Swindoll mm-hmm. are my folks and um you know, Davy, I had a great church experience growing up. Mm. I, it was just, it was un sadly to say, it was unusually fantastic. Wow. I loved being at church. Um, my folks did not have their self-image in how their children looked or behaved, thankfully, because <laughs> <laughs> I certainly didn't fit that mold. <laughs> um, but just had a really great experience and pretty much thought. If I do this, plan A, then God will do this, plan B, Mm. notice that order, then this will happen. And so I did what I thought was right and good and honoring to the Lord. And then 20 years later, life started falling apart. And I thought, I think I have my A and B mixed up. Mm. Um, And he has been in the process for the last 20 years Reminding me, calling me back to him, saying, I'm in charge. You can trust me. Um, but it really took some hard knocks to get to that place. That mm. so was a great experience growing up. Right. Hardest has been um, in my 30s and 40s.
3: Mm.
2: Well, you said that your life began falling apart. There, mm-hmm. was, uh, there was some unraveling of things. T- talk to me about that. What? Where did that be? So, because
0: I'm a high achiever, I uh, read eight books before I had my first child because I wanted to be the perfect mom. (laughs) Of course. I kid you you not.
2: That sounds just like Um, me.
0: (laughs) I was like, I'm going to nail this thing. Uh, So, I read all these books and Ashley was born. Great. 18 months, 17 months later, Austin was born, my mm -hmm. son. Um, and, And then the home was rather uncomfortable in that it was, We moved a lot. Um, I was previously married to a pastor.
3: Hmm.
0: And yet what happened on the inside of the home was very different than what was happening on the outside of the home. Hmm. So by the time Jonathan came along, my third child born in 97, he had some immune system disorders and some things that were very wrong. We had no idea what that was. uh, But he cried all the time and screamed and um, it just was, it it brought to the surface a lot of tension and anger mm. and frustration that nobody could see on the outside. So um, in 2006, my daughter had a suicide note and I saw that she had been cutting. And it's, Davey, it's really hard mm-hmm. to know when you've been raised in the church and you're committed for life in marriage, and yet the partner isn't committed to growth mm. in a way that brings wholeness to a home, the way that the Lord talks about that is a husband is to love his wife like the church.
3: Yeah,
0: um, I couldn't stay because of the danger, and mm. so the three kids and I packed up. My daughter had a little rabbit business. She loves animals to death. So we had like five rabbits, a Rottweiler, a bird, my three children. We packed (sighs) them all up in the car. Oh, my gosh. And we drove away, um, stayed in hotels for a summer. And then I started, I moved across the country because I was going to break that cycle of, um, of terror. And what I would say, abuse mm. that was going on inside our home. But what we needed, what I needed to do was to help my children survive right. and to become healthy and whole. So when I moved to Dallas in 2007, we entered a research project that the Lord provided an open door through some friends of ours. And Ashley and I spent 35 weeks going through a depression recovery. Mm. Program And she went from almost being hospitalized to no signs of depression and she stopped cutting and she's an unbelievable, I mean, her story alone is amazing. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I started the special needs program at Insight for Living, ministering to families who are caregivers for kids with special needs, mm. loved ones that have um, Alzheimer's, um, caregivers, it, people walking through pain. So that's kind of, that's the backstory yeah. to how I got to Insight.
2: Wow. You, you said something really interesting, and I want you to kind of unpack this phrase for me. You said that um, it, the pressure that you guys were experiencing, some of the different things that, you know, with your kids and with your family life and all that, it brought to the surface some things mm-hmm. that were not seen on the outside. Can you yep. unpack that a little bit? Because I think that's something that we experience over and over and over in our own lives, but as we're also helping people in their pain, they're navigating their trial. I call it sponge seasons of life, that when hmm. life squeezes you, what comes out of you is what was in you. And oftentimes yes. when things are going really well, you, you don't see those things. Can you kind of unpack what that looked like for you, what you mean by that phrase brought to the surface?
0: Yeah, I think we um, focus on our circumstances, and there's this idea that if my circumstances are good, then then life is good.
3: Hmm.
0: When really the Lord is uses our circumstances as symptoms to deeper problems, which are part of transforming our souls. Hmm. So I had believed if I do this and God does that, then life is supposed to look like this. And part of reframing ministries came... About because the picture that I had for life completely fell apart when I went through my divorce. Yeah, um, and I will say with my son as well, he was diagnosed at three with intellectual disability, which used to be called mental retardation. Mm. It's now IDD and autism. And then I put him in every therapy that I knew to do, and provided the diets and did every single thing in order for him to get better, which as I unpack this for you, that was more about me wanting to fix him hmm. than accepting that the Lord had allowed me to have a child with disabilities for life. Oh. So when he was seven, he regressed significantly and was di- diagnosed then with OCD, ODD, ADHD, Tourette syndrome, anxiety. Um, and the neurologist just looked at me and said, he's going to be at the work of 10 children. Wow. So um, if we backtrack, I have 15 children. <laughs> But to your question, I think we do look at the circumstances of our lives and we miss the deeper work that God is doing. Yeah. And when he starts to take those things away from us, the loves that we have, even the involvements that are good, yeah. um, church involvements. I was teaching Bible study. I was involved in church. I started special needs ministry at Stonebriar.
3: Mm.
0: When I had to step out of all that, I thought, Lord, I'm doing great things. For you, I mean, not great things. I'm I'm serving you. Right. How come I can't do this? Mm. And it was to care for my son. And I remember Davey sitting on the bathroom floor one day. It was the hottest afternoon in July. And um, I was having it out with the Lord, which I'm very honest with the Lord. <laughs> he already knows what I'm thinking. Right. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> it's no surprise to him. Yeah. And what came to my heart was, Colleen, if I call you to serve Jonathan, because I was sitting there waiting to because I was going to need to wipe his bottom. If I've called you to do that, are you okay with that for the rest of your life? Mm. And that is a turning point. Because I realized, here yeah, I've been wanting to do these things that are kind of serving my ego. And he wants me to serve him. Mm. I'm to, I'm called to serve Jesus. And if that means it's wiping Jonathan's bottom and if that means I'm wiping rubbing his feet and calming him because he has sensory processing issues and seizures and that's and nobody ever sees that but that's honoring to Jesus
3: mm.
0: and that is what I'm called to do so my circumstances led to what was in my heart mm. and what was in my heart was I want to do these things that I think are good but God has a different plan mm. And he had to take a lot of that out of the way. Wow. Does that make sense? Oh, it
2: makes perfect sense. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's amazing because I think oftentimes we, we misread those circumstances. We don't recognize that those are invitations that God is trying to communicate something to us through our circumstances. I don't know if you do. Do you remember the old series Experiencing God by Henry Blackerby? Do you remember that? Oh,
0: absolutely, so yes.
2: He talked about yes. how God speaks to you through, you know, like four or five different me- mediums pretty consistently, like His Word first, and then the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks. Obviously, it always props up the Word of God. It's never going to go anti the Word of God through other godly people in your life and spiritual authorities in your life, but then also your circumstances. God speaks to you through those things. You know, C.S. Lewis says that um, He whispers to us through our pleasure. He speaks to us through our conscience, which is the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. And then he shouts to us in our pain, that pain is a megaphone. These circumstances are are God communicating things to us. And I think it's so amazing that as you, you know, what you're unpacking right there for, for our listener to recognize, whatever these circumstances are, they're screaming really loudly at you, attune to them and go, what is this revealing about my heart condition right now? And, and what yes. is God trying to communicate to me in this? Because this is part of my sanctification process.
0: Yes. And part of that was showing me what am I clinging to? In fact, the mm. book that we talked about earlier from Richard Rohr, he he talks about having to release and open our hands to everything. Huh. And the tighter we cling, the, the harder it is. Yeah. But Wins. I used to tell my kids, you know, my consequences are one thing, but God's consequences, when we are not following Him, they are eternal. Mm. They are, we will never forget them. And He had to really knock me upside the head a few times, more than a few times, to say, you know, Colleen, you're not in charge. Mm. And following me is a sheep following a shepherd. Mm. And that is in complete surrender because things have not gotten easier after we moved out here a couple years later jonathan was assaulted repeatedly had acquired (sighs) um, a traumatic brain injury and he regressed significantly and so i couldn't fix those things but what was revealed is i want these things fixed because it's making my life uncomfortable Mm. and and it's he doesn't need Jonathan to yeah. be fixed. Jonathan yeah. is made by him as he wants Jonathan to be.
3: Mm.
0: So when I embrace that, it was a whole. There was so much freedom yeah. that came from that that I don't need to apologize or be upset. He is who he is, right. and he just taught me more about Jesus mm. than I think any class or any book could have ever taught me about Jesus.
2: Wow. That's amazing. The key is what you're saying is the key is to just embracing and accepting your circumstances. I think that's the key to trying to move through those circumstances, move through that valley. Uh, You may never actually get out of what you see circumstantially, but at least being able to have joy and contentment and satisfaction within those circumstances, the key is just to accept them and embrace them.
0: It is. And it's also like every day is different. So when I wake up, Jonathan may have a fever. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes, like, we just have now gotten a consistent caregiver to help out with that. Mm. Um, But some days it was, you know, guys, I'm showing up to work and John's with me. Mm. Um, Other days, it's I can't come into work because I need to be home. He he had a seizure the other day or whatever. And every day is different. And that is outside of our comfort zone because we want our days to be lined up and planned. And I have to say, "You know what, Lord? How can I honor you today in what you have allowed? um How can I bring joy and honor to you wow just just show me the way
2: hmm. that's amazing. you know I'm sure um parenting a special needs child, raising one uh is i mean days are full of discouragement. I'm sure it can just yes. feel like day after day after day it's like, oh my God, I mean." it's it's yeah. this sounds so this sounds so trite but those of us who are parents of preschoolers who are you know they they don't they're not suffering from some kind of um you know disability or anything like that we get frustrated and we're disappointed you know we're like freaking we're exhausted discouraged oftentimes <laughs> i know but i so i can't imagine you know the day in day out grind did you see though in, and have you seen um, God really show up in some circumstances, in some instances with Jonathan and you and your interaction that really just encouraged you, that was like, wow, that was a hug from God. That was, it just kind of kept you going and propelling you?
0: Last week after attending a board meeting and because I, and a book signing, um, I was just very exhausted. Mm. And I thought, okay, when I get home, Jonathan's there and needs constant, you know, he's he hasn't seen mom all day. Yeah see mom, he's very anxious. Um, so I went home and I thought the thing that's going to relax him the most is just to rub his feet. Now, the, we talk about, you know, the Lord washing other people's feet. I don't know if you've ever washed anyone's feet. It's one of the most sacred, mm. honoring calls yeah. that one can have. Because you you stoop down mm. to reach their feet. And every nerve in the body connects to a part of the foot and parts in the hands, every organ, every part of our mm. circulatory system and our immune system, our digestive system, our neurological system. We function well when when we are cared for. And that a lot of times happens when our feet are rubbed or when our hands are rubbed. And uh-huh. so I went home and just rubbed his feet and found the Lord calm my own heart as I cared for him. Wow! Um, even though I didn't have it in me, I was tired. It's been a long day. But I thought, I can't imagine being in John's skin. He's had a much harder day. Mm-hmm. It's all that he can do to button a button. And yet, and he's never free of ticks. So mm-hmm. in giving to him, the Lord filled me up. Another example of that is when uh, my husband, I remarried mm-hmm. clearly, um, mm-hmm. adopted Jonathan two years ago. Oh wow! And for him to stand before a judge, he literally cried. Now I'm going to start crying. Oh mm-hmm. man! And he the the judge looked at my husband and said, "And you're wanting to adopt Jonathan." Give me the backstory. He goes, I have fallen in love with this woman and I love her son as he is. And I want him to be mine. Mm. And to me, it was the picture of how Christ has adopted us,
3: Wow!
0: how in all of our ticks and all of our autism and all of our OCD and, and crazy thinking. Mm-hmm. He says, can you come here so I can just love you mm-hmm. just where you are. Um, just how you are that's how much he loves us like more than i can even imagine loving my son with disabilities and the third one is jonathan has taught me how human we are and it's okay to be human i would never expect him to go out of the house like not without having ticks and and Sensory processing stuff and wearing three pairs of sunglasses and two earphones Mm. and doing all kinds of funky things. And yet we expect that of other Christians Mm. to look perfect, to look, you know, all put together. And if they have an issue at church, we go, they're bad parents, Mm. or there's such judgment or labels. Jonathan has shown me what it's like to be in my own skin and to be okay with that. And that the Lord. Loves me as I am in all these broken areas that I wish looked better, um, but it is what it is. Yeah. And he loves every person that you're talking to today, where they are, how they are, however they show up. He's saying, I love you.
3: Hmm.
0: I want you. My arms are out for you. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect to come to me.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's man.
0: I remembered all three. I'm so excited. You didn't even have to look down <laughs> at your notes. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I just uh, pulled that up. But they were so very, nice. very life-changing moments.
2: Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. That's the thing I love that the Lord shows you and reveals to you. It's not necessarily that He gives you something um, tangible or material to encourage you. It's that He pours something into your soul oftentimes, into your heart to teach you more and more about the character and nature of him. When we see him more clearly, then we get filled up by that. I mean, just what you were talking about, this this act of washing Jonathan's feet when you were exhausted mm-hmm. is a tangible picture when scripture says, Ref, re, you will be refreshed when you refresh others. The Lord refreshes those who refresh others. That when you are at kind of wits in and you're exhausted, there's still enough left in your tank to serve someone else and God will refill your cup as you're doing that. Um, we've all experienced that. We go on a mission trip. We think that we're pouring into some, you know, helpless group of people who really need us from the United States to come in and swoop in and save the day. And man, we walk away from those experiences just filled up spiritually by the joy that we see in front of us of this group of people that have so much lack and yet they... Don't lack the thing that is most important.
0: Whew. Which One of the most incredible things is I have a little video of Jonathan singing, I will not be afraid. And I can't watch it without just crying because mm. here's a kid who's been assaulted, abused, has so many problems, has been made fun of and bullied for years. Um, and he's, Singing to Jesus about not being afraid. Wow! In the most authentic way, because he doesn't have a filter. He can't. He can't fake it. Yeah. Now, sometimes I wish he could, (laughs) because I'm like, that may not be the best thing to say right now, dude. (laughs) But at the same time, there's no filter, and he has no social status. Like, like nothing on this earth matters. Um. Except that he gets his allowance every two weeks for doing the dishes and making his bed and helping clean up dog poop. <laughs> That's amazing.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Colleen, can you um, – I know you've got to be careful when you – especially I could I could sense just really tiptoeing around talking about your previous marriage. I totally understand that. Um, honestly, this is much of the hesitation that we have in sharing some of our story because oftentimes your story involves other people and their story and you want to be sensitive to that. And so I, I totally get that. But I also know that there's a common denominator in that um, marriages can tend to be under so much pressure in these kinds of situations. And we find that oftentimes, more often than not, unfortunately, it causes marriages to crumble. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about the statistics of uh, a mm-hmm. couple who loses a child, you know, yes. and, and how, how high the statistic is that this couple's marriage is going to end in divorce. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to a couple right now who's walking through something hard, what would you tell them kind of from your mm. hindsight, retrospective perspective of going, hey, let me let me tell you how you guys should operate together if you're going to not just survive in this, but you're going to thrive through this?
0: I have no idea. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm only curious um, because, you know, I'm sitting <laughs> here, I want my marriage to thrive. I'm sure there's so many that do, but can we learn from the school of hard knocks, you know?
0: But you're exactly right. Most, uh, a high percentage of marriages don't make it when there's been a death. A lot of times because there's blame. Mm. Um, Instead of dealing with our grief of loss, which we go through repeated losses. It's not just death. In fact, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, her five stages of grief happen to do with death. But there are um, so many other kinds of losses that we don't Mm. recognize in life. That's right. And uh, Judith Viorst wrote a book called Necessary Losses, um, mm. and I mean, Norm Wright's got some great books on grief, and and a lot of others. But what I would say is, men and women grieve differently. So if you're a husband, your wife is going to grieve differently than than you do. If you're a wife, your husband will grieve differently than you do. So don't force each other to grieve the same way. Yeah, but. Respect one another in their grief process. Mm. Husbands tend to want to provide. And if you have a child that's living with a disability or you're caring for a parent that has something going on, anything that's stressful, Mm. how can I love you in this moment? Where are you in this? Um, Practically speaking, grieve differently, touch one another. If Mm. there is a conversation, hold hands because there's something about physical touch that is very powerful it's hard to yell at someone when you're touching them Mm. Um, my friend says blame is spelled be lame (laughs) which is so true (laughs) because when we blame someone for the circumstances that we don't like now we have two problems we still have the circumstances and we've created a wall between the one that we say we love so Mm. much so What is it really going on inside that has caused you so much grief? And I will tell you, Davey, when Jonathan was so severely assaulted, my husband and I had been married nine months. And he said, You really became a different person for a while. And I did because a parent's worst nightmare, I think, is to not be able to protect your child.
3: Mm.
0: Um, And there's so much guilt in that. So he was. Um, consistent, stable, don't make any major decisions the first year after some huge loss in your life. And he just saw me through. He reflected back. You know what, Colleen? I am concerned about this. Mm. Um, Where are you? And and see a counselor. We have a guy that we go to for checkups, for just, are we doing this well? Are we seeing this Mm. correctly? So we need to find support. When yeah. we go through a major loss.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, practical resources, you can't force someone through the grief process. It takes time. Right. So give your partner time. Mm. Take a walk outside. Look at God's natural revelation. One of the ways that He reveals to us His immutable attributes is through nature. Mm. He is totally in control of it all. So just take a walk. Just spend time together. Doesn't have to, you don't have to talk, but. There are times where Tobin will play the guitar, and I'll just sit and and write or read or whatever. But that companionship right. means so much to me.
2: Oh, that's so good. We went to this um, like three week counseling thing back in February, hmm. and one of the things that you said kind of triggered a memory of this. It was there was something. There's an exercise they made us do that was so powerful as a married couple. And maybe you're listening, maybe this is a total Holy Spirit thing, or maybe this doesn't apply to you at all. But if you're listening and you're a married couple, you're going through something tough, try this. They had us stand or sit across from each other and face, you know, face directly at each other and then look at each other in our left eye. So look at the left eye of your partner. So you're across, you're looking across to their left eye. They're looking at your left eye. Because for whatever okay. reason, I don't know the theory behind this, but the left eye is like the window into the soul. Okay. And so I don't, again, I don't know the research behind it. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's just theory or what that is. But I've actually been so conscientious of, th- of this now that when I meet people, I now look at them in their left eye because I think you can gain so much insight into who they are by looking at their left eye. But that's you, fascinating. you do this and you, you just kind of look at, you don't, you don't say anything, you don't speak nothing. You just look at each other for a prolonged period. Okay maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds, 30 at most. And then together you you break, you look down and then you look back up after about five seconds of break, look back up and do it again. And you repeat that cycle over and over. And what's really fascinating, what was amazing. So group, the whole room of all these couples that were doing this and couples just started crying. Wow. Holding each other's hands, looking at each other in their left eye and just started crying. Because something about that connection and all of these couples who have been going through some serious pain, I mean, ministry pain and stuff that was going on, is just reconnecting that, rekindling that just in the power of connection. And um, it was fascinating. So i that may be for somebody that's listening, but thats it triggered when you said touch, you know, just touch, hold hands. There is something powerful about that that makes you feel like, hey, we're... We're a team here. We're in this together. We're not fighting. We should stop fighting against each other here. Let's fight against the thing that's coming and warring against our family right now and stay yeah. unified in this.
0: Man. Well, some of that research is very interesting neurologically because the brain is about 50 to 60% visual.
3: Hmm. So,
0: um, what they're finding is our generation that's very digitally driven. Um, is missing what happens when we connect with a person in real life because the chemicals and neurotransmitters that are released and connected when we are in one another's presence not from a camera but in the presence of another person it physiologically affects us Mm. and therefore we're lonely if we're just looking at a computer all day right now i've never heard the left ideal so i'm gonna go research that like crazy try it <laughs> just start looking at people in their left eye when you when you meet them and when you start talking to them yeah i'm looking at yours right this minute <laughs> well
2: I'm, tr- I'm looking at yours but then i can't look through the camera at yours so i have to look directly at yours so it doesn't feel like you're right we're on camera right now we're not really <laughs> connecting here that's so man
0: but we are the other thing i would say is um forgiveness is huge
3: mm. um
0: We went through, I learned through, when I went to counseling, because I spent years in counseling, when I went through um, a program, I learned this forgiveness exercise, which was fabulous. And it is to have the person that has been offended say to the person that's offended them, this is what you did. Mm. And this is how I felt. I felt dismissed. I felt rejected. I felt judged. I felt betrayed. I felt like you weren't listening. Yeah. Um, I felt invisible, whatever the feelings are. Um, and that really hurt me. The person, the offender, then repeats because of the listening yep. That's exercise. Good. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry that when I did that, you felt overlooked, invisible, betrayed, whatever the mm. words they've used. And I would like to ask for your forgiveness. Mm. And then there's a choice. I do forgive you. I will work on forgiving you. Or I can't forgive you. Yeah. And once you have offered your heart by saying, please forgive me, that's what the Lord calls us to. How they respond is what the Lord will work on in their own heart.
2: Yeah. It's wow. huge. That's so huge. You know, one of the things you touched on earlier is this idea of like, there there were many elements of your story where you were trying to fix some things. And I'm reminded yes. of this in terms of how we interact interpersonally, especially in marriages, because I think often we get uncomfortable in these spaces right here because we try to fix the other person or fix the situation. I mean, especially men, we're fixers. So we're like, okay, there's a problem. Let's figure out how to fix it. But really... The important thing is to sit and be okay with some of the mystery and uncomfortability of it not being fixed and attuning to each other's feelings and understanding each other's feelings rather than trying to, you know, justify cover up or, you know, whatever that looks like, because that just amplifies the situation. But what you're saying here is, you know, instead of going, well, I didn't mean to do that. That's not what I was intending to do. You know, it's like, hey, I'm sorry when I did that. That it made you feel this, that's attuning to the other person, and that creates yeah. a climate that, again, it's a, a climate of a teammate, and we're walking in this this trial together. Uh, we're not we're not opponents in this whole thing. Wow.
0: Which is yes, that's very hard, especially if there's um, because there are. I mean, disabilities in general is on the rise,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and. It's easy to look at that and say, well, this therapy promises healing, or it's this, or it's that, or it's that program. And having been down that road, I put all my hope in those things, which the Lord, then again, had to remind me, not remind me, had to knock me upside the head, (laughs) and Hmm. say, your hope is in, it's false hope. Your hope needs to first be planted in me. I made him the way he is. And he is not your problem. He is a gift to you as he is. So I need your hope to be in me. Lord, I need your direction in raising this child. I need your direction in knowing how to love my husband or my wife through this period. Mm. One of the things that I learned to do was to tell my husband, I'm going to just share with you where I'm at. I don't don't need you to fix it. I don't need anything except just you to be present with me in Mm. this. Which lets him off the hook. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, he doesn't have to do anything. That's great. Yeah. And it endears me to him as he listens. Or, for me, uh, the book um, Love and Respect by Willard F. Harley is also very good. Yeah. And it's, men need respect, women need love. If we're meeting those needs consistently, purposefully, then... Um hopefully the lines of communication stay open right but if I don't tell my husband what I need or if he doesn't tell me what he needs, I'm shooting in the dark, yeah so it's knowing what each other needs, taking responsibility for that and then saying, here's what I need right now. I just need a shoulder to cry on or I need to vent about work right I'm frustrated with this, whatever it is
2: man, that's so good, so good Colleen we I want to, I want to talk a little bit about your daughter and her story because I'm just so intrigued by this. I, I mean, you said earlier that you guys went through 35 weeks mm-hmm. of depression recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's so many mm-hmm. of our listeners who, um, they, they are raising teenagers and raising teenagers in this world now with, um, anxiety, depression, suicide on the rise among that mm-hmm. generation of of young people, it is so prevalent. Can you tell us a little bit about her story and some of the things that you you guys learned through that process?
0: Yes. Um, first of all, I want to say to any parent that's listening, if you have lost a child to suicide, I am so mm. um, I care so deeply, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I know you probably tried everything. Yeah. And um, you are not to be blamed for what has happened. Just forgiving ourselves is one of the hardest pieces of moving forward when there's been no suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, that was on my heart. With Ashley, um, yes, we got into a recovery program and we did cognitive behavioral therapy, which Mm -hmm. is a part of the whole reframing process. Where if you change your thoughts, you change your direction. Um, What we learned along the way is she and I and my son, John, have a genetic mutation that lends itself to a propensity towards anxiety and depression, which Mm. we didn't know at the time. So it's a very much whole body program. It's not just, oh, feel better. Well, you know, the person that's depressed wanting to stay in bed really does want to feel better. Right. But it could be a chemical imbalance. It could be a sleep issue. They may not be getting enough sleep. Mm -hmm. They may have a history of some things that needs to be unpacked with someone that's very safe and can handle them saying anything and everything. So what we did is we weekly went down there, went to Southwestern Medical Center, and um, we got her started on some medication because she and I both take depression medication Mm -hmm. for anxiety. It's so funny. I don't know why there's a problem with medication <laughs> when it's needed. Yeah, my dad has said, you know, when I have a headache, I'm gonna take some aspirin. <laughs> is there? How's that any different? Yeah. So if the body is not producing chemicals that originate in the gut, dopamine, serotonin originate in the gut mm. and then travel up through the brain. So if there and anxiety affects our digestive system, so everything gets thrown off kilter when mm-hmm. there's anxiety, when there's abuse, when there's trauma, when there's. Um, disruption in general so what we did is we got out of the traumatic environment got her into a home situation that was calming um one of the things that is very hard for a parent of a kid with disabilities which it's been related to um, an alcoholic family system Mm. in that um one person has all the attention and the other one's the other kids are often forgotten. Yeah. So there were years where she didn't feel seen or heard yeah. or respected. Whew. And the only time I had for her was from five to six in the morning because Jonathan would, he never slept more than a couple hours at a time. Wow. So I thought I've got to get time with her. And um, I said, if you'll just get up with me and we'll sit by the fireplace and we'll just talk about your day. And I mm-hmm. just want to listen. And she has said, Mom, when you shut your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> literally, when you just were quiet and you listened and you cared to spend time with me, I started trusting you. Oh, wow. So all those eight books were just a waste of time. <laughs> no, they weren't.
3: You just
2: need to learn to <laughs> listen. <Really. laughs>
0: and we often fell asleep, actually. Oh, wow. Um, it was just being with her. Mm. And she said, I started to believe that you cared. Mm. Even though I had said, I love you in so many different ways, I started to speak her love language, yep. which was quality time and words of affirmation. Mm. And in spending that time together, um, uninterrupted, which was very hard to get, but but it was the intention that she got. She could sense my motivation was to love her where mm. she was. Then, through the program um, and helping her learn different thought patterns, different options, uh, she could choose not to cut. That she could choose to, to journal, to take yeah. a walk, to reach out to a friend, to have something to look forward to on her on her calendar. And there were very there were a lot of options that she could choose other than negative coping or harmful coping mechanisms. Right. So we did that. Um, it wasn't like it was overnight that she got better. It took years. Yeah. But in loving her, and I will say the presence of a very healthy husband, male, father figure mm. that was in the home that spoke love into her heart, loved her in a way that um, was absolutely loving and accepting and less harsh because. I could at times be more harsh. Mm. Um, he gave such grace. There were times where she may have said things that were just terribly rude. And I'm like, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> and my husband would be like, you know what, honey? She's a high schooler. Mm. She's going to say things that are just way out of whack. I'm okay with that. Wow. Um, I go, <laughs> I'm not. But at the same time, that sense of being loved. Yeah let her become who she was. And she ended up marrying a guy that's amazing. Wow. And she's pursuing veterinary school medicine now. Wow. It was years in the process and we had a lot of work. Um, But I had to apologize for things that I had done that hurt her.
3: Mm.
0: And I said, guys, come to me and tell me, what have I done that has hurt you? Because I can't apologize for what I don't know about. Wow. So that's a two-way street as well. And they'd say, Mom, you really blew it here. In fact, a couple years ago, when we had identity theft that was so horrific, we had to rewire our house and put cameras all around, and it was awful. Gosh. Um, I went into that control, whatever wing that is on the Enneagram. (laughs) And both my kids had come home from college that summer. They're like, Mom, we can't even relate to you. How can we get back to you? Because we can't. Where are you? Mm. And Davey, I, I didn't know how not to be in that place. I was terrified. Mm. I was sad. I was in this trying to take control and I laid on the bed by Ashley and I drew tears. She's like, mom, I'm not going to want to come home to see you. If it's going to be like this, it's, Mm. there's so much control and I can't connect with your heart. And I said, I promise you, I will do everything. Mm. I'm going to do everything I can um, for the Lord to bring healing to my own heart wow. because I love you and I want you home. Yeah. And I hate it that I can't talk and cry at the same time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad but, at that, too.
0: But the Lord did and continues to say, Colleen, you may walk in the valley of the shadow of death, but you do not need to fear any evil for yeah. I am with you. Mm-hmm. Follow me. And keep your eye on me. Yeah. Yes, John 10 talks about the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. I know all those verses, but the reality is we get afraid. Yeah. And I had to just let my guard down. Mm. And now both kids say, thank you for being safe, that we could tell you where we were. Mm -hmm. And I didn't reject them for that. I wanted to know so I could love them and care for them as they needed to be cared for. Mm. Um, And it has really changed our relationship in so many ways, but it was God's in our hearts and my dependence upon scripture to believe it, even though I couldn't see it. That's uh, we talk about faith, walking by faith. You know, yes, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's hard. Yeah. Uh-huh. But when you do, and you trust that he's leading you through the valley, taking you to higher ground because he knows where you're going, then he has in mind what is so abundant mm. for you and what is going to um, nurture your soul mm-hmm. far better than we can know. So that's, I don't know where we're going to go from there, but wow. that's, that's how it has worked with my kids. Man. It's,
2: you know, it's interesting. Christy and I talk about this often. the 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 story of the Israelites. You know, you've yes. got the, the 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 freeing them from from slavery in Egypt, four hundred years of slavery, and then this wandering around for forty years in the wilderness, which was this sanctifying process for them to teach them who God is, because they'd forgotten that over four hundred years. I feel like our lives are so much like this. You know, I feel like as I'm talking to you, you, you guys experienced so much heartache at the beginning of uh, kind of your story. And then God's been wandering, you know, leading you or leading you around. And He leads us. He guides us. We were just talking about this as, as a team a couple days ago, that God guides us with His hands. He holds our hand to the destiny that He has for us, to this promised land, this place of healing and wholeness. And sometimes we stumble along the way, we complain along the way, and and yet what I'm seeing in you, and this is what I want to encourage so many other people with, and what I'm encouraged by right now is someone whose heart is broken, wants to just follow after the Lord and see um, healing being brought into her family, uh, even though there's been so much heartache that started the story, that began things and all of this. and. Um, it, Colleen. It's absolutely beautiful. I don't think there's any, anybody else that can speak to somebody right now who is going through a, such a difficult time, whatever the spectrum that is. And they're just ready to give up because you've, you've, you've walked through hardship after hardship, after hardship, after hardship, and yet you're continuing to trust the Lord. How would you speak to somebody right now who's sitting across the table from you having coffee with you? And they are like, uh, Colleen, I'm ready to, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Whatever it is. Maybe it has something to do with their kids or their husband or their, you know, whatever's going on with themselves. I'm just ready to throw in the towel. I can't go on any further. This seems like it's the last straw. How would you encourage them?
0: I get it. Hmm. First, I get it. Because, of course, you want to throw in the straw. Because you've probably been trying to do it all on your own.
3: Yeah.
0: Or doing it and wanting God to kind of slap his little sticker of approval on it. And I think he... I think we have a misconception of hope hmm. in that um, we can hope and hope and hope, but sometimes he allows us to completely run out of all hope. So wow. we will find him to be our hope. Wow. We have to be emptied out. The book of Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books. Um, it's, It is one of my favorite <laughs> books because it's remember, 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 yeah. remember. And chapter 8 verse two, is one of my favorite verses. And I have it here. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, Mm. humbling you, testing you to prove your character, to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Wow. So to the person who is walking in that wilderness, I would say God is leading you through an awful period of time in your eyes because he is carving away Mm. the things that are in your character that he knows will hold you back.
3: Mm.
0: So he's freeing you. He's also testing you to see, can I trust you? Yeah. Are you going to be trustworthy in loving me and sharing the gospel with other people because I'm bringing you to a place that you can't see right now? Yeah. There were 400 years of captivity. People <laughs> lived and died without ever seeing his promise of freedom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes wow. we'll see his promise on the side of heaven, and sometimes we won't see it. It doesn't mean that he's not good. It means that he is sovereign and that he is having you where you are for a purpose that you cannot see right now, allowing Davy's voice or my voice to speak life mm-hmm. into your heart that is completely grieved and empty, wondering, how can I move on? You move on one second at a time. That's okay. And as you move forward, he will bring people into your life that you couldn't have ever imagined that will say, he's going to use this to speak into other people's lives. Mm. I would never be able to speak to a person who's gone through domestic violence or who's had a child that's been assaulted. Unless I walked that road. right? I, I I hated it at the time. Told the Lord I hated it. I didn't understand it. And now, Davy, being able to talk mm. with women and men who have gone through that is God. Yeah. It's not me. It's the Lord. Yeah. But he has a purpose in what he's carving away. And so let it go. Let him do the carving work, which does not feel good. Mm. John 15, he's the vine, we're the branches. We've got to cut our rose bushes off every January yeah. down mm. to the bottom for them to bloom and be unbelievably fragrant. Yeah, wow.
2: So good. Colleen, where can, where can our folks follow you? Where can they find out more from you and get... Um, Reframing Ministries, where's that? What's the what's the yes, website? Reframing,
0: what's the, it's mm-hmm. reframingministries.com. Um, and the reframe acrostic is the process. It's not a formula because I tried all formulas. <laughs> yeah. Formulas don't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, reframe is, it stands for to um, reflect on what has led you to where you are today, examine what your beliefs are against Scripture, mm. Are they accurate or not? Let's get that in alignment. Let's find support.
3: Mm.
0: And then let's let's manage some adjustments along the way because our values change as we go through pain. Yeah. Um, and then look for new opportunities. So we are on all social media platforms. My assistant, my engagement assistant is... Phenomenal and knows so much more about this than I do because she's younger than I am <laughs> but we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on mix we're on I think other ones we can send that to you <laughs> we'll
2: put We'll put all that stuff up on the this episodes podcast page and I Man, it's just been a joy to chat with you and thank you so much for just speaking life into our listeners.
0: I'm so honored to be here with you and just thank you for what you're doing and speaking hope into people's lives. Mm. Hope through their headphones. That's I right. Love
2: that. <laughs> That's right.
1: Baby, I really appreciated Colleen's um, conversation with you. Mm-hmm. I I loved her authenticity and her realness, and you can tell like she's been through a lot. But um, yeah. there was so much humility, like even her just asking for her kids' forgiveness and feedback. And yeah. I know like. Um, asking my own kids for forgiveness, it's, it's so humbling because yep. they're your little tiny people and you, you know, and so anyway, I love that. But one of the things that I could really resonate with what she said is, um, how God was kind of calling her to step away from this ministry to, um, take care of her son. And mm. for me, um, I, just being a stay at home mom and homeschooling, there's things that I want to do. Like at this point in my life, I really thought that I would own a business or, you know, do all these things. But, um, I have seen God say like, no, like your children, this is what I have for you in this season and, um, submitting to that and kind of like what she said, letting go of those expectations has totally changed my mindset. To, uh, towards my day to day, and now I look at my children, and I'm like, they are my dream. They mm. are my passion. What I get excited about, and and so anyway, I really loved how she phrased that in yeah. uh, this episode.
2: Well, and that's so good, Mel, that you're sharing that because it doesn't mean that like your dream is being put to death necessarily. It's just, right. it's just maybe it's in a dormant period. You know yeah. that like this is the this is what God is calling you to do right now, and then he'll birth this other thing in the right timing. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, what the listener doesn't know, and I'll brag on you for a little bit, you've got incredible business acumen. Your dad's taught you really well. He's a great businessman. And so you've got within you this ability to chase those dreams. And yet you've said, no, you know what, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to submit and I'm going to obey to what you have called me to do right now. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the intro with this teaching our kids how to obey even when they don't understand why that we're going to obey cheerfully. And then we begin to see the fruit out of that when we Mm. just obey God. I'm learning something similar to that, that obedience, um, that success in in life is just obedience.
3: Mm.
2: That's it. Success is not having some kind of like grandiose, you know, story or some, you know, grandiose ministry or some large ministry or some like, you know, impact, whatever it is, success is, obedience, bottom line, doing what God has called you to do, thats success.
1: Wow. That's probably really good for your Enneagram three heart.
2: (laughs) It is. It's very hard to kind of stay there, but I think God keeps throwing me in situations to remind me of that.
1: Mm, I love that. Well, thank you for your kind words. And um, we want to give a big shout out to Ryan O'Neill at Sleeping at Last. He provides all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast and you should check him out um, on any place where music can be streamed. He is really, really gifted and uh, we're thankful for all that he does for us and everyone else. So yeah. um, check him out and Davey, I'm so excited. I don't know if excited is the right one, but word, but I'm so looking forward to our listeners mm. um, to hear next week's episode with Tammy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is uh whew. This is an incredible image, and, and, and Tammy is she was in the throes of I mean really fresh grief when she and her husband came over and had this conversation with me at our house they drove many miles to come over and do this and so man you are in for a treat next week because this this gal's got some very very insightful things to say and their story is awesome so listen to this clip from our conversation next week with Tammy Brenton
4: I just remember standing in the hallway and the surgeon came out. I think he was Russian. Um he just shoved these pictures of her lungs into my hands and and said that she had a terminal disease and without a lung transplant she'd be dead in 2 years. Oh, gosh. And like words cannot ex- yeah. even describe how your world just upside down and mm. of course my first thought was to call Matt and I told him you know what the doctor said and what the disease was and and that she would need a transplant and of course we're googling right away the disease mm. and what a transplant looks like and we we're like oh no and obviously I was outwardly very upset too because the nurses actually sent the chaplain to get me and Mm. they had to calm me down because at this time Maddie's in recovery and she has no idea how her life has changed.